Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to four to six with AMD, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis. Joined by Ari Wasserman, as always, my main man, best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how are things? I've got, got goosebumps, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, pretty good, man. Uh, I think I'm going to the opening in the Elite 11, nice. so uh, kind of looking forward to seeing how that's going to all pan out here in a few weeks. Uh, we're in the midst of a blitz right now on The Athletic. I encourage you to go read it about the parody problem. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't have a problem at all, but <laughs> there's a lot of fans that do. Um, and, you know, we got a lot to talk about, man. So it's good to, good to be back. And let's give these guys a show, huh? Yeah. Apologies uh, for, for missing last week's episode. Uh, some some personal family stuff uh, came up unexpectedly. So I had to miss out last week. But we are back. And and to that end, Ari, what you just mentioned, like there a lot happened sort of in the last week, I think, with college football and, and the future and how the sport's changing. And like the cover, like, I don't know. I don't want to sound like a company man kiss ass. The coverage on the athletic has been like pretty insane. If you care at all about the playoff expanding, and maybe you don't, because that's not going to happen probably till twenty twenty three anyway. But if you care, uh, you don't need to go anywhere else other than the athletic, because it is absurd how many angles we've covered this thing from. Yeah, it's almost exhausting. Uh, <laughs> it is, but in a good a way. <laughs> I just for the fact that we're sitting in mid June, and this is usually the, like the slowest month. Uh, this has like one been one of the more hectic months of my professional uh, time here at the athletic, and. You know, maybe it's just because there's a lot of recruiting stuff going on, but now with the expansion of the playoff, you got the 
the crazy end of the dead period. You have NIL speculation, new uh, recruiting rules, camp seasons back, the Elite 11's coming back. You know, it's just, I think we're back full swing. And, you know, it seems like yesterday we were having talks uh, on this podcast about whether or not there'd be a season. So it's just fun. And the expansion of the playoff, I think, is probably more influential for uh, 99.9% of college football. But uh, in my mailbag on Tuesday, uh, June 15th, I I isolated out uh, five teams that benefited the most from the expansion of the playoff, and I put Ohio State in there because they're the only team uh, in the entire playoff era that would have made it every single year uh, mm-hmm. since the beginning of it in 2014 had there you know, been 12 teams in it. So, you know, I guess Ohio State fans rejoice. They're never missing the playoff again. Um, but we'll talk about what that means in, in terms of, uh, you know, how to view this team moving forward and, and what uh, will be considered a success and all that stuff. I'm looking forward to it, and God, it feels good to be looking at your face again. Yeah, thanks, man. It feels good to be looking at your face, too. My face is a little sunburned because I was out at an Ohio State camp. We're recording this on, on Tuesday night, and I was out at what was Ohio State's uh, fourth? Fifth. Fifth fifth one day. No, fourth. Yeah, fourth. Fourth one day position camp over at the Woody um, on Tuesday. They'll have another one on Wednesday. I'll be there, too. Wednesday's player list um, looks pretty loaded. Um, Tuesday was was not as much so, but there were some still still some good players there. Some interesting stuff happening, and uh, along the lines of things like feeling normal, um, and I would have said this last week had we had a show because I was able to go to, to half of the first camp last week. Um, it felt really good to just be like walking around the Woody again, you know. Like we get, like we go there in the summer to watch these camps, and you sort of have like free reign of the practice fields. You can walk around and watch guys go through workouts and stuff. You bump in the coaches, you can have casual conversations. I actually think that's what these settings are best for. It's it's fun to watch the recruits and see who's getting attention, but it's also nice to just kind of stand on the side and, and shoot the shit with people on the coaching staff a little bit. And it just felt really nice to be able to do that, like in in the Woody, um, not having to wear a mask. Although I don't have a problem with wearing a mask, but it's it was nice to not have to wear one and just sort of like feel like we were back in normal times again. Um, even though what I got was the absolutely like in fried. That building? Yeah, I was going to say. On, it? on Tuesday, <laughs> la- last week, last week it was brutal. Um, on, on Tuesday this week, it was great. Um, some of the best weather we've had um, in Columbus probably in the last month or so, and, and Wednesday is supposed to be better. So it's like a pic- like Tuesday and Wednesday are picture-perfect Columbus weather days, um, I think, that to host these camps, which is good for Ohio State because you want to trick people into thinking it never gets cold here when they're on campus for, uh, campus for visits. I bought a lawnmower over the weekend, and I mowed my lawn. And it was the most humidity I've ever felt in my entire life while not being in Miami. And it was the worst day of my life. And I thought to myself, standing in the Woody Hay Center right now would be such a relief from a temperature standpoint. I was almost jealous. I remember I used to overheat in there uh, all the time. And, uh, you know, but it's good. Feeling normal, feeling good. Uh, you d- yeah, you know what's nice is they, uh, they they redid the Woody, the indoor field, Um in the spring or winter of 2020 and we got to see it for like one day before spring ball got canceled but they put new garage doors on the side so they open those up and then like you get a nice wind flow through there so it's 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 cooler than it was in the past more of a reprieve uh, from the heat but like i said on tuesday didn't really need it it was it was, it was quite nice and, and one thing um sort of along those lines it was like it made me really happy that camps are back because this is the kind of stuff we've been missing out on for for the past year or 15 months um, there was a kid uh, by the name of Caleb Johnson, who's a class of 2022 athlete. He's a running back at Hamilton High School in uh, in Ohio. I believe that's just sort of outside of Cincinnati. And he doesn't have an Ohio State offer, but he had a really good camp. 
and he was working with the running backs and getting like good like extra attention of Tony Alford, and then they took him over the defensive side and they got a one on one workout with Al Washington and like they took him into the back, um, which means like they like you. And uh, as we're recording this, he doesn't have an offer yet, and I don't think he's going to get an offer like anytime soon. He's actually going to camp again on Wednesday and then come back uh, next week to camp for a third time. And he's like he's trying to get an Ohio State offer, and I just thought to myself like. This, this is the kind of kid who couldn't have done this last year. And it like just made me kind of, it's kind of sappy and weird, but like it made me happy that a kid like that was getting that kind of opportunity to work out in front of Ohio State's coaches and who, who like he might have completely altered the trajectory of his, of his college career by, by doing so well on Tuesday. Let me tell you something. I'm super shocked he has an Iowa State offer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he said that too. Uh, I think I might. I think I might have asked him like, "Who are your offers right now?" He said, uh, "Iowa State." I was like, "Of course." <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's what's really awesome. And and the fact of the matter is, is that you know we talked a lot about this during the season, uh, or I mean during the COVID time about that recruiting season a year ago. And there are a lot of Caleb Johnsons out there that slipped through the cracks and went to Iowa State and went to these places that are very good at evaluating and. You know, I'm very curious to see what that all amounts to in the next few years. But, you know, people don't realize that, you know, one of the most important things about, you know, developing your roster and creating that, that roster is days like this where you get to actually, you know, see these guys come in and, and go past their film and, you know, work out. And now that they've got these one-on-ones and, you know, it's the golden ticket when you get invited back to the coach's office. It's like these are experiences and and things that these kids will remember and value for the rest of their lives. Like Caleb Johnson might not ever get an Ohio State offer, but what even if he does, it's like that is a day that he'll, he'll go back and think, I remember that time that I blew away Ohio State's coaching staff when they didn't believe in me at first and then got them to believe in me. And it's just like that's kind of what the sport's about too. So – you know, maybe he'll get that Bama bump if he gets an offer and, you know, whatever. But evaluations are wrong all the time. And if he is an Ohio State offer, especially considering the fact that he's an in-state prospect, like that just shows you that as much as I believe in, in recruiting rankings and, you know, think that they are a, a, a certain version of the Bible, you know, there are, <laughs> are kids like this that just kind of had to have these environments to get – themselves proven so you know getting out there and doing it is just something that was really really i mean almost tragic that it didn't happen a year ago yeah yeah it, it, well yeah it, i agree um and i'm happy that it's happening and, and there have been a few of those kids who have been at ohio state the the last couple of weeks um one of one earned an offer um on on the first day of camp as a defensive tackle from from indiana whose name is escaping me and i don't know if he's going to end up in ohio state's class but even the fact that he got an offer even if it's non-committable at this point um, was was still a bit surprising and was just a reminder of, of what can be done once you get face to face with people and coaches get to watch you work out. Um, and then there, you know, there's there's five stars showing up too. There were a couple offers on uh, Tuesday, one to DJ Hicks, a five star defensive end from from Allen High School in, in your neck of the woods, already down in Texas, um, who, mm-hmm. who very much looked the part of a five star prospect. A very impressive workout. Um, and then uh, Troy Bowles, a 2023 linebacker from Tampa, Florida, who's actually the son of uh, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks. Um, he worked out, and he was he was very impressive. I, I think probably the best athlete at the camp, just like super fast. Um, and he got a lot of one-on-one time with Al Washington too when they offered him, and it was like apparent they were going to offer him from the second he walked out on the field. So um, he's a, he's an impressive player. Seemed to have strike up a good rapport with Al Washington, um, but he'll be a, a, a very much a national recruit. And um, it's just nice to see like the board kind of taking shape with 
2023s and 2024s and even in some cases 2022s uh, because the the last 15 months have been so weird. And also 2021s because JT Tumaloa was finally visiting Ohio State this weekend, which um, has not gotten a ton of fanfare, I guess, this week. But we knew it was coming and like it's finally happening and he's going to be on campus and we won't get an answer on that until July. But But things are in motion and people are on campus and it's awesome to see. Have you thought about going to the rental car agency at the, the airport and putting one of those Breaking Bad uh, GPS devices under his car? <laughs> I wonder, uh, that would be a good, because rental cars are so expensive right now. Like a, a FOIA request on just how much it's costing Ohio State to rent cars for, for official visits compared to what it's cost the past few years. Like that is a, an, an enormous expense <laughs> at the moment to rent cars everywhere across the country. I'm a little bit nervous about having to do that in LA in a few weeks. Oh, buddy, I'm praying for you. I think I saw in Hawaii it's like a thousand dollars a day to rent a car. Well, that's different. It's a little different, right? But even I think even here it's probably double what it normally is. What is that? Just because people are traveling out more and it's the Fourth of July coming up, or like what? What? I think it's a combination of everyone getting out of their house at the same time and probably like low inventory for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, chip shortage. Heard all about it. Chip shortage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so there was a pretty important surprise visitor on Tuesday. Uh, I think yeah. maybe we should get that on the airwaves a little bit. Yeah. So like Walter Nolan was there. I didn't see him. I saw on his Instagram that he was there. Five star defensive tackle. Where's he from? Is he? From? I, I always think he's from Florida because his last name reminds me of Seminoles, but I don't. He's from Tennessee. He's from Tennessee, right? Yeah. Uh, he is the number three Two, overall player three. in the class. Yeah, number one defensive lineman. Um, he was in Columbus. It wasn't an official visit. I I think he like kind of popped in and out, sort of like last night and and this morning. And I I never laid eyes on him. And I was uh, the Woody all day on on Tuesday. Um, but I guess you would have seen him. The sun would have been blocked out. Right, right. I, I guess it's noteworthy that he was there. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that it means anything. But of course, if that guy, sh- you know hit you up on your phone and says, hey, I'm in Columbus. You're going to like, yeah, go ahead, come by. Um, but he, Ohio State is not among his finalists. Um, but, you know, I think Larry Johnson has that kind of respect, too, among players that if it, there's an opportunity to go meet with him, you do it. So, interesting. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't think it means much to you. You've been following his recruitment at all? No, because he dropped Ohio State out of his finalists. Yeah, well, I, I've been following it, and uh, it's been kind of interesting the last few weeks because he, he dropped Ohio State out of the finalists, but then – he put, I think, out a, a final five, and then he said he was going to officially visit everywhere. And then, like, after going to Florida, he tweeted, my decision is in, and I'm I'm done with my recruitment. And then everybody <laughs> freaked out because Michigan is on his list, and Michigan was hoping to get him on campus. <laughs> and it was just like, why did we do this whole thing? And then it turned out that people thought he was committing to Alabama while he was on Florida's campus. It's one of those recruitments. Yeah. So, like, when before you dismiss how important it is to get him on campus, I just think that it's important to remember that sometimes this shit just goes off the rails, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, every single time you can see something or get him in front of Larry Johnson, if that's what happened, or get the facilities going, it's just like it's hard to go to Ohio State with what they've accomplished and what they've done on the defensive line and, and not make a move. And it's like if this kid tweeted tomorrow that his recruitment's over again or put out a new top, I mean, that's how this stuff goes. So, um Obviously, Alabama's very firmly in the mix. I know he wants to get up to Michigan. Florida had a good impression on him. He's been to Tennessee, uh, a team that's also not in the final five or whatever it was, but also it has offered his like 13-year-old brother just to try to entice Smart. him to come. That's good. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening with this. I mean, this guy is six foot four, 300 pounds, and I think he runs a 40 like a jackrabbit. So, like, it's kind of just in a situation where, you know, 
I, I don't know if you could make this this case. I guess quarterback is the most important position, but if you have an athletic interior defensive lineman who can move at that size, I think that you could say that that's the difference between the haves and the haves not in, in the sport. Like yeah, that, those are like Oklahoma is like the the poster child of not having athletic enough defensive linemen. You know, you know, so. You know, you start playing Alabama, and I, I think to a certain extent, like, and somebody asked me this question uh, in my recruiting mailbag nationally, and I didn't answer it, but I thought it was an interesting thing that I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of a good time to do it because it reminded me of it. But somebody said, "Are Ohio or asked are Ohio State's recruiting rankings um, deceiving in the fact that most of their five star prospects or high end prospects are in the receivers room, where they won't be able to." really feel it because only x number of those guys can play and i didn't i don't i didn't really think of that in that in that way because you would much rather have your top 100 players or the majority of your commitments that rank that high to be spread out in all the different rooms and Mm -hmm. it seems like it's kind of heavy in that room and you get the same amount of points for everybody depending it doesn't matter what position they play it's all about ranking and number of commitments and what that each individual they don't factor balance into this right and i was wondering do you think that it's a little bit lopsided and if so that is kind of deceiving in terms of how deep their class is because like i'm thinking like this is the type of i feel like this is the type of prospect that ohio state never gets this is this guy right here yeah he is because that's what that's what made teron vincent such a big deal and even teron vincent's a different kind of player i think it wasn't like this guy yeah yeah this this is is like a big um, southern freak marvin marvin wilson and like dexter lawrence yeah um and who's the other kid? Rashad something also went to LSU. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the list goes on. But yeah, I, no, I you're of, right. You're yeah. right. It's it's an interesting question. Um, I think maybe if it would be like, if there were some kind of like way to weight positions differently in the recruiting rankings uh, in terms of their impact. I think that could be pretty fascinating. I don't know where receiver would rank in that. Um, certainly, quarterbacks up there. Quarterback, pass rusher, tackle, corner, maybe. Um, and lately, yeah, a lot of the five star talent is concentrated in the receiver room. It's not always. And it's been not even like just that. about. It's not even about the importance of the position. It's just a matter of Ohio State's got the best receiver room in the entire sport. There's no question about it. But if you're going to take eight total uh, five star prospects or eight total top fifty players or whatever the number is, I can't even keep track because Brian Hartline's a savage. Mm-hmm. But you'd rather it be one here, one there, one there, one there, one there, rather yeah. than all in one room. Yeah. So. If Ohio State's classes have been ranked to a certain extent as high as they've been, and a large portion of that weight is distributed in one room, I wonder if the balance of the team is not as deceptive. It's deceptively weaker than the recruiting ranking would indicate. And I thought, I'm not saying they'd be like 13th best, but in terms of like comparing Ohio State's classes the last two years of total commitments to like Alabama's, you might take Alabama's class over Ohio State because they're more spread out at other positions. That could be some interesting research, maybe for you to do for a future story. Not that I'm trying to give well, maybe you maybe for work. you to do. Yeah, no, I mean I would do it too because I because I I did this thing a couple weeks ago when they got Caleb Brown, um, new commitment in the class of 2022, Just uh, just how many top 100 receivers or how many of the best receivers in the country over the last four years Ohio State has had, and of the top 60 receivers in the last four classes, Ohio State has signed 11 or signed or gotten a commitment from 11, and that's almost double that the next closest team, Oklahoma, had six. Um, so like clearly Ohio State is recruiting receivers better than anyone in the country in the last four years. Um, but breaking it down positionally like that, I think like comparing sort of like wh- where Alabama's five stars are situated and where you know Oklahoma and Georgia and, and Clemson's five. Well, stars do you think are they should be really weighted? 
I think Wade is probably taking it too far, but I do think it is. It, I think it's it is, is important context for sure. Like if you get a like Quinn Ewers commitment should weigh more in your class's overall rank than a five star receivers, right? Yeah, I think you could do that. Like it's it's purely subjective, but I think enough people would have a general understanding of football to know which positions are the most important and no, receiver know, like, and receiver. No, but I'm saying like I yeah. think you could do it and get away with it. Um, it would be a totally new way to evaluate recruiting. Um, but if you think about it, like Ohio State like gets five star pass rushers and they get they're getting five star quarterbacks now. Um, they don't get a ton of five star offensive tackles, which we've talked about ad nauseum. But that's also kind of an interesting point too when you you think about the. Because it's not just the individual rankings of the recruiting classes. It's also the composite uh, blue chip ratio. Yeah. And, like, if Ohio State has four top 100 quarterbacks on their roster, then only one of those plays, too. Yep. So it's just like this is about concentration of elite-level talent across the board. And, listen, I'm not saying that Ohio State's not a top-five team from a talent standpoint, but you want those players on the field because the blue chip ratio has to be on the field. Mm. I mean, if you're getting credit for, for seven players in the top 100 that aren't playing at all because they're stuck behind other really good players, that means that your position groups of those players are stacked, but it also means that it's not, I mean, that's almost 10% of your roster. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's just something to think about, and I know we're kind of getting off track here, but that's what we do on this podcast. We just discuss stuff as it comes up. It is. It's, it was an interesting question that that was posed to you, and I think it is worth some more exploration and research and kind of digging into the numbers to to see kind of the balance of of, of maybe not just five stars, but like top top hundred players or top two fifty, however, however you want to couch it. I think I think breaking it down that way could be really fascinating. Um, along the lines of. Ohio State never getting a player similar to, to Walter Nolan or rarely getting a player similar to Walter Nolan. There was a kid who was on campus on Tuesday. His name is Sadir Mitchell, who is – he's from New Jersey. He's not from the south. Um, and he's not – he's number 135 in the class right now. So he's a four-star prospect, higher-end four-star prospect. But he's 6'5", 350. Like, he is a monster of a kid and moved incredibly well. It was a shame he got hurt um, running through a drill – um, and I actually thought it was like a very severe injury. It turns out he just hyperextended his knee, but he couldn't go the rest of the camp. But it was like he walked onto the field and was like, who was that kid? And then like he ran his 40 and he he looked like a, a guy who could be like a, I don't know, sprinter is too strong of a word, but he ran really well for a guy of that size. And that's the kind of freakish monster of a human being um, at defensive tackle that Ohio State does does not typically land. And, and who knows? He, he didn't get to do much. He didn't get to do one-on-one, so I don't know if he's actually an Ohio State caliber kind of player. But for the moment, he's a top 150 national prospect, and, and he looked like that kind of guy when he stepped out there. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, college football playoff expansion talk. You think people have gotten enough of that in the last couple of days? I just, like, I don't – I think we could stretch it out and do, like, what does this mean for Ohio State? But I really just think it's so simple. What does it mean for Ohio State? They're always going to get you've in. Been, you've <laughs> been kind of down on the playoff discussion anyway. And actually, Nicole Auerbeck wrote a pretty interesting story, too, um, on – on Tuesday about the way ESPN covers the playoff mm-hmm. and how that isolates um, a large portion of just college football fans because if you have a three-hour game day show and, se- and half of it is about four teams, then it's just kind of like if you're a Boston College fan or a Michigan State fan or a Nebraska fan, it's like you just don't want to watch that shit over and over and over again. And it's like true. Like it, you, it's fatigue. Like, I mean, we by the time – you're into the week, the fourth week of the playoff rankings. Like, we get it, you know? And yeah. it's just funny because when you're in a position like Ohio State where they're not usually on – I mean, they're always on the fence, but they're always in the heart of the discussion. It's just like you're taking the drama away from the season a little bit. And it's like bit. I know that Ohio State fans are just like, yeah, I want to be in the playoff every year. But, like, two lost Ohio State teams would still get in. And it's just yeah. like, now what? So, like, then, then what? If they happen to trip up at Penn State or – they lose to Oregon. It's like it doesn't matter. And I think that kind of, like, is as easy it is to – because, like, listen, everybody who talks about the college football playoff discusses how important it is to give second-tier teams an opportunity to hang a banner or say they made the playoff and do it. And, like, the biggest winners are the Penn States of the world, the teams that no longer have to conquer Ohio State during the regular season in order to compete for a national championship. And I understand that. But the other thing that this is doing that people aren't considering is that it's giving all the teams that always make it a second chance. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the weird years where they don't make it, it's just like, okay, that doesn't matter that you lost to Purdue. It doesn't matter that you lost to Iowa. It doesn't matter that you lost the craziest game ever in 2015 to Michigan State. All those teams still got a chance to play in, in the in the college football playoff. And the thing that I think has been most interesting about covering Ohio State you know, during the 10 years that I did and, and growing up watching it. And you know, some of the best teams in program history are the ones that didn't win anything. Right. And it's just like the 2015 team will be always be remembered as the team that came up short because we saw what that team, for the most part, was capable of the year before when things were clicking. And it's just like the 2015 team might have won the national championship, you know, under the new rules. And that is great for Ohio State fans, but... There's also something special about walking up to a stadium in the middle of October when it's 35 degrees out and knowing that your season's on the line today. And I don't know what people prefer, to be honest. And, like, sometimes I think I have a, a pretty solid pulse on, on what the fans think and how they feel. Obviously, I was wrong in the whole JT Barrett thing. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, what what is special to you as an Ohio State fan if you're listening to this? Is it making the playoff and making sure that you can say that you made the playoff or is it the awesome fall Saturdays where you're going to the stadiums and you know that it feels like a playoff game. It's like how many times have you and I walked up to a stadium to cover it together in the middle of November or in late October and said, man, this is the season. How fun were those games to cover? How fun were they to write about? 
that doesn't exist anymore and that blows in my opinion I think I think I think you are right to an extent, and I and I agree with you. Like it's it's the way the way we consume the sport a little bit, and and the way we process losses is going to change. Um, I think pretty dramatically um, because there's not going to be. And clearly, there've been years when Ohio State has lost and they've still gotten into the playoff. But a lot of times, when you lose, you feel like your season's over. And if you're Ohio State, that's that's not going to be the case. Once we go to twelve teams, um, but I also. Th- I also think we oversell that a little bit, and and maybe this is a bad comparison to make, but like, and anyone who's listening to this, there's a lot of people listening to this who are like diehard Browns fans and diehard Bengals fans, and like for the longest time those teams stunk, and even when those games meant absolutely nothing, when your team lost, you hated it and it ruined your week, and when Ohio State loses, you're still going to hate it and it's still going to ruin your week. I think it's still going to impact people emotionally, in a lot of the same ways it did before before the playoff. Um, or the play was a fourteen. Losses without con- consequence are way different. I think. I I I don't know. I, like I grew up much more of an NFL fan than I did a college football fan, and like when I really cared about the Eagles, like losses sucked. Like, like they didn't have consequences, and they sucked. Like well, if you were emotionally in invested in your team, it's irrational. But all <laughs> sports fans, yeah, are. Know, that's like know, that's what know, that's what yeah. sports fans are. I'm not You're, saying you get Ohio emotionally State. invested in teams when they lose. Like it's not. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't think Ohio State is going to lose a game in the twenty twenty three season, and people are just going to be like, "Okay." I don't think that I, the point that I'm making is that they're not going to care. Of course, they're going to care, but the gut wrenching reality of the consequence of losing is what makes the fourth quarter drive when you're down by three with four minutes left that terrifying, because your season's in the balance. You know, like the holy Buckeye play is one of the most iconic plays in the history of the, of, of the program. And that play individually preserved Ohio state's national championship. Yeah. And like you're, and unless you're have a two minute drill drive in a playoff game, that does not exist anymore. Yeah. But that went out the, the window when the playoff came into existence with four teams. That was like, in the, that was in a BCS era. It's so like, that was, that no, was, I that know, was true but, before this, but there's a single, there's a single loss that could cause Ohio state to be out of the playoff still. Like in the current format, right Ohio now State's missed the playoff yeah. multiple times because of a single loss. Lost the game you can't lose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you lose, sometimes you lose the game you can't lose, or sometimes you get blown out by a team that you shouldn't be losing to at all. And that kind of just changes the entire dynamic of it. And it's just like the Ohio State teams that lost to Purdue and Iowa were talented enough, if put together, to beat anybody in the country. And if you lose that game and, and put it together, I think the good news is, is that Ohio State fans will get a chance to create new memories in a playoff format where their team would have been excluded in the past. And there will be more games that we all want to watch. And it's, it's good for us as fans to consume the sport because there's going to be more entertaining matchups. But it's just like the teams that don't make the playoff aren't national title caliber teams. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. because yeah. I'm actually happy that they're, they're expanding it because I think it will be good for you know, the sport. And I think that the games, the matchups that you'll be able to see are the ones that we all want to watch and more good games for fans equals a win. But as it comes as a, as a team that is always in the mix for it, I think the, the receiving that information just hits different than if you're a Penn state fan, Mm -hmm. if you're a Penn state fan, this is the best thing that happened to your program in 15 years. Uh, If you're a Michigan fan, it is too, you know, like the 2016 Michigan team that lost by an inch, gets to go to the playoff again, you yep. know, and like these teams still get to live and, and have a chance. I do think that once the playoff starts, that it's going to still be the same final four as it always is. Yeah. Um, that's the funny you know, thing about it. It's like, I don't think it's going to change the results very much, but I, you know, I still like it, more you inclusivity, know, you know, and it's interesting. Cause like if Ohio state is a one seed one year 
and then they have to play the Big Ten championship game. And I don't know 100% what they're going to do with the conference championship games or if this is going to be altered at all, but assuming that they stay. Then you have to play a pesky team uh, like Cincinnati or something in the first round. And then you have to get, I mean, the path to the playoff is really, really brutal. Like whoever wins the playoff now is definitely the best team. And I don't know if there's something to say about wear and tear or just the emotional, you know, bandwidth that it, that you need to stay at your best for that long of a period of time, mm-hmm. um, you know, because buys. And, but it's like, are we in, like, how many hours of breath in the last decade of our lives have we spent <laughs> arguing about the playoff? and bye weeks and seeds and who should be in and who should be out. And it's like, now what the hell are we going to be complaining about? Yeah. Are we going to be just complaining about who should be the five seed and who should be the six seed? Like, are we going to be complaining about whether or not Northwestern or Iowa State get in? And it's just like, that's fun and it's going to be a a thing. But there's something amazing about the Texas A&M, Ohio State debate that we were having a year ago that we'll never know the results to because that's what the sport is. And it's like now in the the new climate of, of the sport, you know, some people might view it as a good thing. We get to actually see that matchup. I would have loved to see that matchup last year. Right. But also, everything that we did from a content standpoint and a consumption standpoint and the arguing and the texting and this team sucks, this team hasn't played anybody, all the fun stuff that makes discourse about college football fun is gone. It is. Because it's all happening. Right. So it's like, yeah. what are we going to argue yeah. about? What are we going to talk about if I Ohio think, State I think is, we'll find is something. nine yeah. and one? Nine, I'm sure we will, but it's just like <laughs> the the stakes are going to be watered down. The college football playoff show is now going to be a seeding show. Oh God, it was it's already unwatchable. It's going to be even more unwatchable now. I love it. Who cares? I love it. I look forward to it. I love the show. I like seeing the rankings. Like I like when the rankings come out. I don't like the hoops they jump through to try to explain themselves. Hopefully, this means there'll be less of that um, because the field the field is bigger. But yeah, it is. I think uh, it's a beautiful the, the disaster. Hell I love about? watching it. I love screaming at it the is, TV. It I is a little bit yelling. Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? Like it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gives us a chance yeah. to come back on the microphone after it's over and then yell at each other about it. Right. That's right. what football. That's right. what, how much time do we spend passionately arguing about the NFL? It's like, oh, somebody's good and someone sucks. Somebody won, someone that's lost. True. It's like, that's, that's fine. True. Yeah, it's just like much. we don't argue about the NFL and who would win what. And it's just college football is quirky. And it's almost like, you know, my dad is obsessed with the JFK assassination. I think you know this about <laughs> this it. This was a tendon like, that was not expected. The document. <laughs> well, no, but listen, and I always joke with him because he's read all the books. He comes to Dallas and visits me. We go do all the JFK stuff. He likes to see it. And... A lot of people like the history. I'm not making fun of the guy. But part of the intrigue and enjoyment of that, I think, is not knowing what happened. And visualizing what you think happened and researching and and looking at and reading books. And the fact of the matter is, is that the guy's never going to know what actually happened. And that's what kind of makes it fun. And it's just like, well, if you dad, I was like, and I made a joke to him. I'm like, dad, if we go to the grassy knoll, what do you think you're going to find a spare bullet casing? And it's like, if he did, then what? Then it's over. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, then you move on. And like, that's what's, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not. But I think like I get college, what you're saying. Yeah. It's college like, football's entire thing of just like, what, like, what if is such a major part of the sport? Because you think like, like, Texas A&M fans that you got into it with last year, like especially after Ohio State lost the way that it lost to Alabama, like they might hold on to that for a long time, right? For a long time that they didn't get in, and now they're just going to get in. (laughs) Yeah, and and somebody and somebody is texting me on my Twitter every single day 
uh, day 96 of already being an asshole because he didn't get that right. And it's just like, <laughs> I still don't think that Ohio State losing by the same margin means that Texas a and is all of a sudden better than them. But, like, they'll all hold on to it as Ohio State screwed us or we got unfairly viewed. And it's just like, whether you're right or wrong isn't the point. It's the point that I could get into a verbal altercation with a random Texas A&M fan six months after they were left out of the playoff arguing about the same shit we were arguing about in November, and there's nothing that either of us can do to ever prove who was right or wrong. And yeah. like that, I, I think, is kind of fun. Like You just kind of use the information. You use the, the ability to kind of compare resumes and stats and players and who's got drafted where and the results of the games and, and argue and discuss it and consume it. That's what the sport is. So the more that they kind of roll out the red carpet and are like, well, okay, you want the answers? Here are all the answers. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll have a pure champion. But, like, do we really ever think back, at least in the playoff era? I know there have been a few instances in the BCS where teams got left out where it was just like, oh, my God. Like, now we're never going to question who the elite champion or, like, the actual national champion is, as Ohio State has a road on Lane Avenue called Undisputed. But it's like, I don't think that we're leaving out an eight seed somewhere that's the national champion. Right. I don't think that anybody's wondering, like, I wonder if the best team won during the playoff era. So, like, what's the point of this? Is the point of it to include more teams? Because, like, I'll tell you what, it ain't going to change the recruiting rankings. Like, oh, Penn it's State's not all not. of a sudden going to land Julian Fleming because the, the second best team in the Big Ten can get into the playoff now. So, like, what are we? What is the what is the reason for it? Just more inclusiveness so that we can talk about Wisconsin on the playoff show more? Yeah, I guess the, I guess the, the train of thought is that there's fatigue – settling in because it's always Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma in, in some kind of order, which like I get. I think I think that's very true. And I and, and I do think at times maybe that is a little harder for us to grasp and like our listeners to grasp because like why would they care? <laughs> they're fans they're fans of the team that gets in. Um they're fans of the team that's part of the exclusive club. So why would they care? Um so I like I get like if Ohio State fans are just like leave it at four. Um, I totally get that, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's better for the sport to be more inclusive. Like my inclination is that it is, but like you said before, and which I totally agree with when the season's over, like Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, or Clemson is going to be the one hoisting the trophy. <laughs> it's just going to be a so more, like, it's going to be a longer did you way look to at get the, there. The projected college football playoff brackets that Max Olson put together for I last did. year. Yeah. So first round, we would have gotten to see Cincinnati and Georgia, which they actually played a really entertaining bowl game. Okay, and then that might have set up Alabama-Georgia rematch. Would have been an intriguing, you know, area when there's eight teams left, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina, Florida-Iowa State, and Texas A&M and Indiana, which could have set up a a, a game between Texas A&M and Ohio State. These would all be fun games, right? Like, uh, there isn't a game on that list that we all wouldn't want to watch and consume. But when you look at the next round matchups... The same teams that were in the finals might yeah. have, maybe Oklahoma would have been able to beat Notre Dame, I guess, but it's the same. It'll be the same thing. So it's the same group. I yeah. guess what we're, yeah. So I don't know. Um, you know what I think is going to happen that if you go back and you look back at all the projected playoff brackets from previous years, if there were a 12 team playoff, what you would do is you would have Ohio state as a second chance, maybe winning a national championship in a year where they were left out. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I think that sucks too. And I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks that. I'm sure I am on an Ohio State podcast, but it's like Ohio State's 2015 team laid an egg. They blew it all year. So to go claim a national championship in a 12-team playoff because you were afforded the opportunity to to 
you know, mess around all year, lose the game you couldn't lose, and then finally get it, get it together at the end isn't what a national championship season is supposed to look like. Yeah, I think the, inten- yeah, the, the, the intention of this is to give everybody a chance, and I think the result of it is this year. Is giving Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson get a mulligan, right. Because, yeah. like, what, Ohio State has to lose three games to not be in the top 12. Right. Because even when, they, when they've lost two games, they've still been, like, number nine. I think a two-loss Ohio State would still have a very good chance of getting in most years, yeah. And what's going to happen is a two-loss Ohio State team might still win the Big Ten, and then Penn State's going to get screwed again. Yep. So, like, I, I don't know what – I mean, I don't know. Maybe they won't. But, like, if you go look at the playoff rankings, like, Penn State is con- consistently in the top 12. So, like, other teams that are – because, like, listen, we give Penn State a lot of crap, I think. I do anyway, because last year they laid a recruiting egg or whatever. But Penn State is a top 15 legitimate program in the entire sport. Yeah. And they have a really good recruiting coach. Um, he's charismatic. I think he's been good for Penn State. They've been, you would know better than I, but Penn State is a solid program. And I think that's a really good way to put it. It's solid, it's consistent. It's not great, it's not transcendent, but it's solid, tough, and good every single year. Yeah, and, and it's, it's better like, than it was a decade is, ago. Yeah. And it is better than it was a decade ago. So, like, we're rewarding Penn State for being solid by giving them a first-round matchup against Florida, a team that also can't beat that their power in their conference. And then what's going to happen? The winner of the Penn State-Florida game is going to go play Alabama, get their asses kicked, and then their season's going to be over. And I wonder, like, outside of, like, the cool games like Coastal Carolina-Notre Dame, it's like we all want to see those games because they're we're generally curious about, like, how good Coastal actually was. But really, what I think we're going to find is that these are exhibition bowl games that are just going to be the, the the cow getting led into the woodshed, you know, and that and that's what because that's what it is. So yeah. at a certain point, even though we're all fatigued of seeing Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State in the playoff every year, I think we're going to get fatigued of teams getting their ass kicked too. I think we might, and that, like that's the secret of the college football playoff. It's like it's really not been that competitive. Like there have been far more blowouts yeah. than there have been even bangers. the semifinals <laughs> yeah. have been blowouts. <laughs> So, like, I think it's just funny because, like, Indiana, Texas A&M, I think Texas A&M would have won that game last year. And then maybe Ohio State, Texas A&M would have been a close game because they both lost to Alabama by the same exact margin. Or the more likely scenario is that Ohio State would have kicked their ass yeah, because Ohio State was a better football team than them last year. And, okay, so then what? So you have Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, or Notre Dame and Alabama, and then whoever gets the privilege of playing Alabama, whether it's Notre Dame, or it doesn't even matter. They get their ass kicked. And then you got Clemson, Ohio State, or Alabama in the playoff championship every year. I can't it's the wait. Same shit. Um, it's just a little I, bit longer. I can't wait for uh, once we get into the expanded playoff era that the first team to win a national title that's seated lower than fourth is just going to be Alabama, who didn't win the SEC. <laughs> On that like yeah. seventh seeded Alabama, <laughs> it's going to be the seventh seeded returning playoff. champion Alabama who didn't give a shit about the regular season because the entire team already won a championship. Decided to care in the last week of the year and then blew everybody out because they're supremely more talented than them. Yeah, that was. It's like because I do think that if you go back and look at the fifteen, Ohio State could have won the national title in two thousand fifteen. Absolutely, yeah. I think they were the best team in the country. Oh, and look, they don't. Whatever. You know, they they don't deserve to win it though. That's the thing. That's my whole point. They didn't deserve to win it. They lost. They didn't, they didn't play the way a national champion should play, and the fact that they weren't included, regardless of how you feel about it, doesn't matter because Michigan State got their ass kicked. It doesn't matter. Michigan State was a team that earned it that year. And, like, there is something amazing about that, too. I don't know if I'm, I'm, if I'm like, pissing people off right now, but, like, being a national champion means you had a wonderful season. 
not that you just got hot at the end. You know, and that's why I think college basketball tournament is fun, but it doesn't always mean the best team is going to win it all. I'm looking at so like I guess as a counter to that, I would say I, I think I think on some level you're right, right? Like Ohio State lost, they lost the they lost the the privilege of competing for a national championship because they lost the game they shouldn't have lost to, to what was a good Michigan State team that year. But it's like Alabama lost to Ole Miss, <laughs> but like no, I know. I know. Still I know went to the SEC lose. championship game because that was not a prohibitive loss. It's just so, like they both lost games. Just so happened that Ohio State's was prohibitive, and Alabama's Ohio wasn't. Ohio State Alabama played got, in a playoff game in 2015, though, and they lost their playoff game. It just happened in November. Yeah, so I guess like, and the schedules Alabama never didn't be lose a playoff game. The schedules are yeah, but they lost. <laughs> no, I know, but like that's what made the regular season amazing, man. The, the games that, I think that I, should yeah. matter, that will matter less now. The 2015 Michigan State game in 2023 is going to be a big game. The shoe will be loud. People will be excited to watch it. And if Ezekiel Elliott says, I didn't carry the ball enough, people wouldn't be freaking out on High Street because their team's season's over. The discussion the following Monday, after the rage of fire the head coach threads on one of the message boards, exhaust is, okay, what do we have to do to get better? And then you move on. It's like when Ohio State lost to two, to – so Michigan State in 2015, I was at a freaking funeral for the rest of the year. Yes, it was. Yeah. It certainly cast the pall over the season, and that would not be the case um, if that were to happen in 2023. By the way, and it's 20- something we're talking about right now. Yeah. 2023 Ohio State uh, opens at Indiana, San Jose State, Western Kentucky, and then at Notre By then, Dame. they'll be a top five team, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have at Notre Dame in late September. Then they're off. Then they play Penn State and Wisconsin back-to-back, and they close with Michigan at the end. So, you know, not the easiest schedule. There's potential there for perhaps. We also didn't even losses. talk about the Michigan game. I don't think. I don't think <laughs> I mean, it takes think about any it. Less if Michigan gets game. back, though. Okay, there was a lot of discussion at the beginning. Maybe I'm just JT wrong on this one too. But hear mm-hmm. me out on this. But when they made the divisions, what was everybody freaking out about? The sanctity of the Michigan game. Yeah. When they made the the Big Ten championship game, what was everybody freaking out about? The sanctity of winner take all. When they made the playoff, they're like, well, this is not... I've written about it. I talked to everybody about it. I've written about it eight times. How the Michigan game is different in the playoff era because back in 1975 when Ohio State played Michigan, whoever won that game got to take it into the next year and care about it. And Ohio State has to go compete for a, a Big Ten championship the following week. It takes the luster off of it. Now, more than ever, like in 2006, it almost happened where there could have been a rematch. But like now, if 2016 happens and Jim Harbaugh gets his program on track and they play, and they're both undefeated or both have a loss, it's just like, who gives a shit? How like, about, it'll be like yeah. rivalry bragging rights, but it, 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 they both get to move on. That sucks. There is something... The whole point it, of yeah. schadenfreude, right? Is that how you, is that how you say it? Yeah, schadenfreude. Yeah, schadenfreude. You're supposed... The reason why people... If you text me on Saturday, September 30th, and say... LSU is losing to Mississippi State right now. Turn the fucking game on. I turn it on because I want to see whether or not LSU is going to be in the championship this year. And it's like, okay, well, they lost to Mississippi State. They can still run the table. and get. It's just like there is a certain luster of you take away the schadenfreude. Everybody was making fun of LSU when they lost to Mississippi State last year because they just run the table and had one of the best seasons in the history of college football. And now lose, was it their opener? Mm-hmm. And like everybody like reveled in that. Like, collectively, the entire country did. And, like, whenever we write stories online about uh, Ohio State's opponents sucking or Michigan losing a recruit or, like, if Walter Nolan goes to Ohio State, Ohio State fans would be more, 
loving of that commitment, not because he's so good, but because Michigan State's miserable because of it. Or, I mean, Michigan's miserable <laughs> because of it. It's like there's a certain level of college football fandom that's all about the misery of your opponent. And, like, now that is just completely tamed. And, like, I listen, I'm not trying to say that Ohio State fans aren't still going to circle the game on their calendar or they're not going to brag or post tweets for retweets that say it's been 940,000 days since Michigan beat. I know all those things are going to happen still. But, like, if 2016 was 2023, like, Jim Harbaugh putting up his hands in the press conference about how short the football was would not be nearly as funny because they would get to be complaining, uh, competing for uh, a championship two weeks later, right? right? Or am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. Like, uh, this whole thing with the hands is still a thing. Every single time Michigan comes up short of anything, it's that that picture. I'm bitterly disappointed. Is that that same <laughs> game? <Is> that- <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I'm bitterly disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like we're sitting here in a podcast in June 2021 talking about the 2015 Michigan State game. It's like if Ohio State would have yeah. made the playoff, it yeah. would have just been a weird upset that we never revisited. That you know, yeah, and like kind the of like ten pole, yeah, ten pole losses like aren't going to exist anymore for a team like Ohio. Yeah, State. Yeah, like you no. should write a column like, the the five ten pole losses of Ohio State's Urban Meyer era that wouldn't matter right now. Yeah, and the Ohio State like it, like famously has a lot of those throughout the history of his program. A couple of them, the Michigan State. Yeah, um, yeah, Michigan State in just, the late nineties. Yeah. I mean, I yeah yeah, dude, like. How many games did Urban Meyer lose in seven year, in his eight seven years? Uh, nine, I think. Eighty three and nine is that what he was? Okay. How many of those nine would matter now? Uh, Only the playoff ones. The playoff losses, yeah. So what's and that? What's he, in which games is he most de- defined by? Michigan. If State. you ask everybody, Michigan. What is the number one loss or the loss that you won't forget from the past twenty years? That's the one. And the only it's not the thirty one old loss to Clemson in the playoff. It's not Iowa. It's not Purdue. It's Michigan State. It, I don't, I, I, it, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure it's close. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because the best team that they had maybe got left out of the playoff because of it. But I don't like. I think that's true. I think all of that is true. But I don't know. Like, will Ohio State fans miss that? I don't like. If you're listening to this, like, let, like, because let, I'm, 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 they're not truly missing curious. the pain. I don't think they're missing the pain. I think you're missing the feeling. It's a total recalibration into the stadium. It's a total recalibration of how you of how you consume the sport on on some level. If you're if you're a fan of a and team, anybody like who's State. ever gone to a big game that they care about in the parking lot knows that feeling. The eight hours of anticipation to the game that is going to change everything. The 2006 uh, Ohio State Michigan game where they were both undefeated. It was the uh, rivalry of the century. Oh, it's an exhibition. It doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. Okay. <laughs> I wonder like, how I many. Mean, like, I wonder how many f bombs we can get before we get a slap. In I know. I'm just like uh, fired up about this because it's just like because people are just like like think about that. If you were at the 2006 uh, Michigan Ohio State game in Columbus, Ohio, two days removed from Bo Schembechler dying, the the uh, silence uh, moment of silence in that stadium, the way that that stadium rumbled. Uh, you know, before the game, the energy in the air of everything that was going to, not only just the Michigan game or the first undefeated matchup ever, but also a trip to the national championship. The Big Ten didn't exist, or the Big Ten championship didn't exist yet. All the things that happened in that 48-hour period and the thrilling way that that team won is something that will never, in my opinion, that in the 10 years that I covered Ohio State, there wasn't a single game that, that, that felt the way that that game felt. And I don't know if a regular season game will ever feel that way ever again because of this. I think that is fair. I think that I think and that, that could sucks. Be right. That does suck. 
Now, I think you'll still maybe have Ohio games. State and Michigan will have a rematch in a playoff down the line if one's a six seed and one's a, a one seed, or you know, you know, you might get that, and that might replace that, and maybe that's worth it. But as much as it is easy to celebrate as an Ohio State fan about never missing the playoff again, I do think that there is some context that you need to take into account when it comes to what that'll mean for your regular season experiences moving forward. That's the only point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it'll change the way we cover the team, too. Like, the way we write about the team. It'll be more like covering an NFL team. Yeah, remember, like, when uh, Iowa lost? Or beat? they lost to Iowa on the road in uh, uh, four years ago or however long it's been yeah, now like the yeah. tone of our stories after that yeah it was like blow it up <laughs> i was like oh my god urban meyer's losing his edge his entire staff sucks this team is completely what happened to the 2014 momentum what happened it was just like <laughs> cry i felt like i was writing an obituary right yeah no in some ways and were. like now if it was just like and like i'm trying to think like as we walk back up to the press to the to the press box after interviews and we're talking well how do you want to cover this what should we do you might think Okay, you write the story about how the running back coach or the or the linebacker coach failed because they couldn't cover the tight ends, and I'll write here are the seven things that Ohio State needs to improve on if they want to make the championship game this year, and it's just like that's so much more different than writing in, intense, um, emotional, important columns that fans are relying on to help them cope with what was a complete disaster. That yeah. was like a, literally a disaster. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I still think the 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 is this team good enough to win win it all doesn't go away, but maybe it become it feels less urgent. And certainly the is the season over story is just completely got the window now. It's just like uh, what did Belichick say? We're on the Cincinnati. That's what you're writing now. After Ohio State, I know that there's again. yeah, there's a I know that there's a uh, a certain level of recency bias. I think in polls and stuff that we do on the internet mm-hmm. for um, sure. And, you know, people like to remember what it is. But you want to know something, man. And, again, maybe I'm JT wrong. That's what we're going to start calling it from now on. JT wrong. Yeah. If I I feel like I have a a feeling about something that fans would feel, and I'm just wrong about that. But if you go back and you ask Ohio State fans which national championship run uh, in your lifetime is the one that you'll never forget – I think 02 might win because there was no no margin for error. And they got over the hump by an inch every single week. And that was the perfect season of destiny that that team had because every single game that year, whether it was the overtime win against Illinois or the Purdue Buckeye moment, all the stuff that happened in those games, the Penn State game, the the gamble pick six, you know, you guys know the moments. I don't Mm -hmm. know. That was a beautiful season because Ohio State was legitimately perfect without even tripping once. And it's like even the 2014 title run where Ezekiel Elliott rushed for 9,000 yards in two hours. Like, that was amazing (laughs) for Ohio State fans, and they did it with a third-string quarterback, and they kicked the shit out of really good teams, and they got over the Alabama bump. There's a lot of, of things that you will cherish for the rest of your life. But that team lost. You know? And it's just kind of like, 
I don't know how much that matters. Maybe it doesn't matter at all. But when you think about the two seasons and you put them side by side, I think you pick 02 because 02 was a beautiful orchestration of perfection. You know, I don't know. It was like it was a it was much more of a quintessential college football season. And and part of that was the the championship game was a classic kind of game, but I think you're right. I, I think I agree with that sentiment. And I do think if you were to poll people honestly and got like a, a the right cross section of people, um that game I think would would rate more favorably than the, the 2014 game or 2014 season. You know, it's also too like think about how dominant Ohio State's been in the last 6 years for the most part. Mm-hmm. Think about how they've been recruiting. Think about how they stack up against their counterparts, their peers, the, the teams they play every week, and then say out loud they've never won a national championship since 2014. It's like this shit is supposed to be hard. And I'm not saying that they're going to win more national championships because the path to the championship once you get in the playoff is crazy now. But it's just like the reason why they haven't won the national championship is because they haven't assembled a team that was perfect enough to do it. And the 2019 team definitely illustrated some of the the, uh, the characteristics you might need in a team that can do that. But now if Ohio State has a two-loss national championship season, obviously you hang the banner, you celebrate it, you buy the T-shirts, you love it. I'm not saying that it's not important. But part of winning a national championship in college football is how freaking unless you're Alabama how freaking hard it is mm-hmm. and what needs to go right for you in an entire year in order to do that not get hot in three games at the end and really if you're Ohio State you're still going to be favored by nine and a half if you're playing A&M last year so I don't know I'm kind of like I'm trying to like talk you into not thinking it's 100% perfect I don't I don't think Ohio it's a State fan not you no just yeah. the Ohio State fans who think oh we're never gonna have to sweat again it's like, remember that when you're walking into the stadium in November and you're undefeated and it doesn't matter if you lose. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. And, I mean, we're breaking a lot of assumptions, right? When it, when it becomes our reality, I mean, it, it could be something, it could be experienced much different. But all we can do is compare what we think it's going to feel like to what we know college football has felt like up until this point. So um, I think it could be a pretty dramatic change for the way but that we're I also we're do watching. think, too, Bill, that if Ohio State ends up getting matched up with Michigan in a playoff game, that would be awesome. Well, I was gonna, so I was going to say that because because one thing I do think is going to happen, and, and Pete Thamel at Yahoo floated or reported a little bit about this today. I do think we could see conferences scrap divisions in the name of giving their two best teams the opportunity to play for the conference championship and, and get into the playoff, even if they lose. Um, so, like, there is if that happens, there is the possibility somehow. I think of like Ohio State playing Michigan three times in like four weeks. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how that would have to play out. They both would have to be undefeated in the first matchup. Yeah, like if they and go they in, have to split, then they would have to split the first two games, and then they both make the playoff, and then like then that could again. happen. Yeah. yeah, they would have to split. Yeah. They would have to split the finale in the Big Ten title game, but I mean, within the realm of possibility, and then they would meet again in the playoff. <laughs> could you imagine? And it's not. Yeah. It's not just true of Ohio State and Michigan. It's true of of any. I mean, two SEC teams for sure. Um, I'll never forget this, but remember when Ohio State, you and I were just young, young best friends back in the day. But remember <laughs> when you first started covering the team and everybody used to freak out about alternate uniforms mm-hmm. and like when they were wearing them in the Michigan game, they're like, how dare you piss on the sanctity of the tradition <laughs> of this game? And we asked Urban about it and he goes, you know, what my favorite tradition is winning, <laughs> winning. <laughs> and, and, and I think that. I agree with that. It's just like I know that everybody wants everything to be the exact same as thing as it used to be, 
but like I'm also on board for expanding you know the future and experiencing new things and absorbing the game that we love in a different way I know that if you listen to the majority of this podcast you might think holy shit Ari really does not like the expansion of the podcast that's not true I'm just having I'm just having a discussion from an Ohio State lens because Ohio State is the team that it impacts the least or the most depending on how you how you view it depending on yeah and it's like yeah. if you're a Penn State fan if I were a Penn State fan or I were a Michigan fan or I were a shit if I were a TCU fan who you know writing the state of the program right now like that to me would be great because you have a chance like Gary Patterson is bitterly disappointed that his team got left out of the playoff in 2014. It's like that team was really good, and they might have actually won a national championship that year. You know, maybe, you know, before the recruiting rankings became so lopsided. But, like, it's just – for Ohio State, it is a different thing because Ohio State gets in already, and the fans and view the, the, the seasons, the games, the memories, the traditions are a lot different. So for Ohio State – making the playoff is a threshold or a benchmark of a regular season to say, hey, it was a success. When Ohio State's team was average in 2016 and they made the playoff, or was it 17, not 16? They didn't make the playoff on 17. The, the year where they lost 31 nothing. what season was that? 16. I'm getting old. Yeah. Sorry. 16. 16. Okay. Yeah, sorry. They missed it in 15, returned in 16. Yep. Even though that season was kind of like they lost 31 to nothing. And like you go back and you're like, well, we got to blow it up because that's what we do every single time they lose. They still they made the playoff that year, and I was like, that was to me a success because it was an exclusive club. And it's like now, how do you view an Ohio State season that finishes ten and two? They make the playoff and then they lose a third game in the playoff. It's just like, how do you view that? Is that a yeah? Because like playoff or playoff or bust is like does is not the it's same. Like that's thing not now. a thing. Is it like Final <laughs> Four or bust now? Yeah, or title game or bust, I don't know. But it's certainly not it's certainly not be the twelfth best team in college football. Ohio or bust. State could have a three loss season where they end up in a playoff loss. Yeah. They could have a three loss season that ends in a in a playoff loss in the final four though. So and they it's haven't like, had it's, a Yeah. I don't know when their last time their last three loss season that wasn't two thousand eleven was I don't know. The shitty seasons where Ohio State used to end up in the Outback Bowl are playoff seasons now. <laughs> playoff seasons now, yeah, I know. Oh I I, I I wanted to go back and do this, but I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. Like, go back and see. Like, I, just, the 2011. I just decided to go on living my life. <laughs> yeah. Decided, I was going to do that, then I decided to go on living my life. Um, 2011 excluded. Like, when's the last time Ohio State would not have made the playoff in, that, in a 12-team format? Like, bef- like Trussell's first season? I don't know. I didn't go back and yeah. look. But my guess would be Trussell's first season. No, they season. wouldn't have made it in 04. They lost a ton of games in 04, and they wouldn't have lost... Oh, they would have right. lost in the fickle year. Yeah, that that year for sure. Yeah, but I guess 20, 2004. Um, they lost they lost four or five games, three or four or five games in 04. They were all these numbers are hard to keep track, but yeah, yeah. they wouldn't have made they it. They finished number 20, but they would have made it. Four. See, yeah. that's the thing though. It's like because I think you could make the case that Ohio State's 05 team was one of the best in, in program history. They lost to Vince Young's Texas because Ryan Hamby dropped the ball in the end zone that hit him in the face, and then they lost they another weird game to Penn State that year. And then all of a sudden, when they were at the end of their season, like Troy Smith came into his own, Ted Ginn and Santonio Holmes were on that team, and then they played Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl and kicked their ass. And it's just like, okay, well, that was a cool ending to that season. But it's like that team might have won the national championship that year. Yeah, like that, and they that's were, a team. Yeah, they were top ten by they were they were they they lost to Penn State and fell to fifteen, and they were back in the top ten by the time they got to the Northwestern game, which was the second to last game of the season. 
And actually, yeah. they were in a top 12 two weeks later. So, like, in this in this scenario, they would have lost to Penn State, fallen out of the playoff race, and then, like, been right back in it two weeks later and gotten in. Right. And would have hosted a first-round playoff. It's not a playoff race anymore. It's like there are two seasons for Ohio State, disaster and playoff. That's yeah. it. <laughs> there's, no, there's no middle anymore. Totally off the rails, which hasn't happened here, like, ever. <laughs> and uh, and playoff, yeah. When's the last time Ohio State had a, a natural losing season? Without a weird, weird year where half their team was suspended. Uh, we did this. We did. We did Buck Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, it's been in the '90s, I think. The last time they had a like a true losing season. There's probably people screaming at us right now. Uh, let's see. Nope. 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 1988. Okay. They were six and six in '99. Yeah. Um, but haven't had more losses than wins since 1988. The Ohio State's the only team in college football that hasn't had a prolonged era of forgettability. Is that a word? Yeah, it's never it's never had like a multiple year like bottoming 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 out. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Indestructible. And I, I know that. Sorry, it wasn't Buck of... Dynasty. It was indestructible. We had we did two different series. We did two different series where there were uh, funny cartoon graphics. Um, don't forget about Ray yeah. Mama. Oh right, three. I wasn't part of that. That was before my time. See, we met. We had a good conversation. Like you, I knew you were kind of. You were. I knew I was going to get you there. No, I think it's interesting. I, I I do think it's interesting. And you made and you you made Ohio State's place in all this a little more interesting for me too. So you're right. Um, I do hate. We're going a little long. I hate the bowl game quarterfinal. I think or whatever would be semifinal stuff. Like I think it's stupid. Play all the playoff games on campus until you get the national championship. Screw the bowls. I think that's dumb. You think the semifinal should be on uh, campuses too? Uh, I mean, I can get more on board with those being semifinals, but I would still prefer everything is on campus until – like I think if you're going to reward a team with a bye, you should reward them with playing a home playoff game too. Why are you the rewarding final four a, a, why are you the rewarding final four a lower seeded be... team by not making them play a true road game? I know, but think about this. If Ohio State had to play at Clemson – in a year where they lose by three, that would suck. That would be awesome. Are you kidding me? I want to go see how I say play Clemson. That'd be great. No, I know. I guess it, it, that's what they do in the NFL. So, I mean, whatever. I, for, I, and yeah, I guess that's, maybe, what, that's what this is. Like that's what, that's what they turn this into. So just, own and it. then you add, you add in the intrigue of the regular season into, um, making sure you win games for home field advantage. And then we're yeah. having podcasts about home field advantage rankings. Yeah. And then you're putting the committee in charge of who gets a home field advantage game. Like, I guess we could that'd be good to argue about stuff, but it's just like a lot of times when you get down to the final final four, you know, the spreads are three points and it's just like that's I think the reward for the kids of making it to that point is playing on a on a neutral field in an indoor dome somewhere in New Orleans. Like I think that that's fine, but like home games would be great. It's just like the coolness of like watching Coastal Carolina go to like Alabama. Like that, yeah. like that would be cool, you know. Yeah, I think cool. that the the first two rounds should be on campuses. I don't know if I'm 100 percent on board about semifinals and national title. National title, definitely not. I think the bowl game should be played in the beginning of the season too, but that's a topic for another day. Ohio State should open up at Michigan and close up with Michigan. That's right. Ohio State should play Michigan a, a minimum of three times every year, even if they don't meet in the playoff. Will you just tweet at us, guys, if you're listening, and just tell 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 me what you think. 
I'm yeah, curious. you can tell us I, tell I us what you think. You can tweet at us. You can email four to six ab at gmail dot com too. And maybe if we get enough responses um, of how people are thinking on it, we can turn that into another episode later to to kind of include your your thoughts on that as well. Because I am interested in it. Like as an Ohio State fan, how did you receive the news of of the college football playoff expanding? Because I would imagine there were the the feelings are kind of all over the board. Um, but you know, let's not imagine. Let's hear from you and you guys tell us what you think about the playoff expansion. That was long. I said before the podcast we were going to go like forty five minutes and then we went an hour and, and five minutes. So uh, we thank haven't you for, talked to each other face to face for two weeks. That's what that's happens. right. It's yeah, natural. That's right. Nature's that's healing. What, <laughs> that's what happens when two friends miss each other and get and get back together. Uh, thank you for listening to four to six with A and B. We appreciate it. Please uh, leave a five star review if you're able on Apple. That helps us out a ton. Subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four six. Go read all of that insane playoff expansion and recruiting coverage that I alluded to at the beginning of the show. Uh, I'm going on vacation next week so i don't know what we're gonna do maybe we might try to record an early bonus or not a bonus episode but something this week that can run next week so you guys don't go three weeks with only one one podcast so we'll figure that out um so we might have something for you next week but i'll be on a beach in maine somewhere so maybe i'll record one on wednesday should i record a, a podcast on the beach in maine with like a lobster roll in my hand maybe i'll do that if I can uh, record a podcast at Weber Public with a with a drink in my hand, with a tall with a tall frosty one in, in the, the pool, tall, tall frosty BL lime in your hand, yeah, we can get on board. Yeah, with or that. one All of right, those we'll... like large uh, those drinks that you get at the pool that are seventy four dollars and there's like four shots in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can do that. You'll be drunk and I'll be full of lobster. I think that'll be make for a good podcast. All right, we'll figure that out. Yeah, and thank you, thank you for listening again. We'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.